asked 1999 Kristen what the future of fitness looked like, she would have shamelessly stolen tropes from Xenon, girl of the 21st century. Workouts would be led by a holographic fitness instructor, pickup games of anti-gravity basketball would abound, and silver scrunchies would hold our hair in space buns. All of this would be in place, clearly, by the year 2049. And if we got to do our fitness from an international space station, well, all the better. We're about halfway between the point when Xenon came out in 1999 and when it takes place in 2049. So seems like a great place to check in on the future of fitness, right? In our final episode on our deep dive of the history of fitness, we are talking to Anthony Veneri. He is the CEO and co-founder of Fit and an active investor in the fitness space. As the curator of the Fit Insider newsletter, Anthony spends a significant amount of time exploring everything from the resurgence of magic mushrooms to healthcare-funded fitness. I consistently open up his newsletter to scrounge for new wellness brands and to get a mini deep dive on a niche wellness topic that chances are I had never heard of until I opened this newsletter. After all, as Anthony points out in this episode, everything is wellness and the future of fitness includes more than just trending workouts. Anthony and his brother and co-founder Joe are also investors in early stage companies across health, wellness, fitness, and nutrition. Their portfolio companies include some big names that you've probably heard of, like Balanced, Obey Fitness, Future, Superset, and more. So in this episode, you'll hear Anthony talk through his top four future of fitness predictions, outdoor recreation, accountability as a service, different services and apps to help you age well, and ideas on how companies can monetize habit and behavior change. We get into our shared passion for pickleball, the allure of wellness retirement communities, and the gamification of fitness. It might not quite be what Xenon had envisioned, but in our eyes, the future of fitness is still pretty fascinating. And now, on to the episode. Welcome to We Got Goals, a podcast from asweatlife.com. I'm Kristen Guile. I'm the chief content officer of A Sweat Life. And to round out our little deep dive on the history of fitness, we are going to get our crystal balls out and talk about the future of fitness. And to do that with me, I have Anthony Veneri. He is the co-founder of Fit Insider, which you know as the media platform that covers the business of fitness and wellness. They've got a newsletter, a podcast. Uh, they do a ton of research and they have an investment fund. And Anthony himself is a former United States Marine, and he leads the product and ecosystem development at Fit Insider. Anthony, nice to have you on the podcast today. Excited to chat. Thank you. Um, I gave sort of a quick bio of you, but I would love to you know, hear your origin story in your own words and how you became involved in the fitness world. Yeah, it started right out of the Marine. Well, it started in high school. I played high school football and you, you know, training, conditioning. I live in Pittsburgh, so Western Pennsylvania. Uh, high school football is a serious business. So we had strength coaches and all that from a young age and really got passionate about it to where I was even trying to run trainings and, and build stuff for my own team. And then obviously enlisted the Marines right out of high school and that got me back into fitness as well. So when I got out of the Marines, uh, the first thing I did as an uneducated Marine with kind of only one passion was open a gym. Uh, so <laughs> since that path, I've done pretty much every job and thing and worked online, offline, strength coach at different schools, selling equipment, programming, everything you do in fitness and wellness, I've probably done. You've touched on it. 
Um, and Fit Insider started as more of like a, I don't want to call it a travel guide, but it was a way for people to like look at different locations and find what fitness places they could go to. Um, could you talk a little bit more about how it started and how that's evolved to what we see today? Yeah. So that was Fit, the local business. So we created mm-hmm. Fit. It was on the ground content. You know, we saw Thrillist, Eater, the infatuation, even Yelp growing. And we were based in Pittsburgh at the time. And, you know, we said, what about hiking, biking, running, eating healthy gyms? So we started this business, uh, started in Pittsburgh, grew to 31 cities, a couple million users. And then we ended up taking on a big bit of capital from MindBody and a few other family offices. And that was a completely separate business. Fit Insider was actually a side project of that. So we had that business going. And then uh, we had sold a lot of it during our investments when we brought on investors. And then at the same time, I was diagnosed with um, some health issues. I had brain cancer. So... I was out and we left that business and spun out Fit Insider as its own thing. Uh, and with that, it was, you know, started as a newsletter, Google podcast. It was really just us, my brother and I writing about the things that we're interested in from the business of fitness alone is because we thought that, you know, the Ursas and club industries didn't do a good job of the future stuff that was happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, I spend a fair amount of time diving into the the Ursa and the the club industry stuff and, they've got these big sweeping reports, but they don't necessarily drill down into what's happening on the ground and, you know, what you can expect to see in the future. It, and it also seems like that those reports get outdated very quickly. So it is a challenge to keep up with like what's changing in the fitness world on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis. And I I feel like that's where your newsletter really shines. Thanks. Yeah. It's, it's honestly, pure luck stars aligned. We, we passionate, we were passionate about this space. It was the newsletter went out to five friends and it grew from that point. And then, uh, and COVID hit. And at the same time, it let me, you know, with my health stuff, that's all I ever did was a newsletter and write and kind of talk to people. And then, um, with COVID, the acceleration and the attention of all people, investors, consumers, looking at fitness and wellness, the solutions, the Pelotons, the tonals, the mirrors, everything else was happening. There was front and center in the media at that time, uh, people working out at home and zoom and all that. So, we were really the only ones engaging in that space and kind of insane to growing from, you know, a few hundred people to tens of thousands over the course of a year. You mentioned the pandemic. So let's sort of ground our, our conversation there. Um, I've, you know, read a lot of perspectives that say the pandemic accelerated where fitness was already heading. It just put it in, into warp speed with the hybrid technology and uh, the rise of virtual workouts and those platforms. So I'd love to know, like, do you agree with that? What's your spin on how the pandemic, you know, affected what we're seeing in junior year of COVID? Yeah, I think it, there was a good and bad side of that. Definitely, in my opinion, you know, we were saying originally, like, you know, by summer of 2020, that was COVID expanded six years into six months from March until that point, which it made a ton of sense then. But unfortunately, what it also did was it was a gold rush for a lot of people mm-hmm. to start businesses and fund businesses that the fundamental operational kind of structure of what they were doing doesn't make sense. But because of the attention in COVID, it kind of was there. So, and you're seeing that now with what's happening with Peloton and others, there's just a dynamic change in whether they're good businesses or not, the acceleration and valuation was, was, didn't make sense Mm long-term. So there was a point that, yes, that this was already happening. Remote coaching has been a thing for a long time. Digital fitness, fitness creators, the Melissa Woods have been around since 2015, 16, Megan Roop. You know, Obey was a company that was been around for a long time. Like it's not new, but then the scale and the money and the acceleration happened. And for some of them, it probably wasn't the right thing. 
probably wasn't the right thing. How can they correct for that now and plan going forward? I think, well, at, at, at the top of the, the scale, when you think of Peloton, I, I just think that they, it was self-inflicted wounds. They made some mistakes that their business is phenomenal. Their revenue is awesome. Their brand is crazy. I don't know why they didn't acquire a rowing brand. I don't know why they didn't acquire a strength brand. I don't know why they didn't expand their offerings and focus on the community side more of what they're doing. Um, so who knows? And then, you know, the iFits and, and others that are running into problems now, I think a lot has to do with buying into your own hype and kind of drinking your own Kool-Aid and, and predicting and putting things out there from a sales and scale side, but that, you know, just were not feasible. Same thing with like Beachbody, where they were when they went public to where they are now the predictions that they had and the earnings per share and what they were saying was going to happen, it was never going to happen as well as logistics and seeing that come down the pipeline and being such an issue. So I don't know what the correction is, but I, I think a lot of this is not the market changing and it's not gyms are dead or long with the gym or whatever. It's, you know, for us, we see it that the consumer is now spending money across fitness, wellness, health, active lifestyle, outdoor recreation. And it's not, I'm working out at home or I'm working out at the gym. And I think a lot of these businesses aren't prepared for this like broader scale for the consumer. Let, one of the things that I've noticed, you know, as a reader of Fit Insider, you've, I think you have somewhere over north of 160 issues. And one of the things that you notice uh, as a reader is you're not just covering fitness, right? You are covering everything. And I think that reflects to how the broader wellness category has expanded, um, you know, probably within the past five to 10 years where health no longer just means exercising 150 minutes a week. It has to do with wearables and mindfulness, apparel, how you recover. All of that stuff is now sort of under your your broad umbrella of things that you cover. So I'd love to hear more about, you know, how you've seen the fitness industry evolve to where, you know, companies don't only think about movement. They might be thinking about you and how you're relating to their brand on a holistic level. Yeah, the the we joke and say that everything's wellness nowadays. Everything uh, is wellness. Everything. There's travel wellness. There's beauty wellness. There's. I mean, I think Goop kind of pushed this. I'm not a fan of what they've done with some of their stuff, but they made everything that could possibly be wellness. Um, so, with what's happening in the market it, for us, it's been great that you know the consumer and the brands that are interacting out there. I mean. It's good though. Mental health is now a focus and meditation and mindfulness and mental, you know, the mental gym issue that we wrote not too long ago and that. And then at home testing and consumerized healthcare. It's really, I think, all bundled into this concept that the consumer is now in charge of a lot of things in their life from health, fitness, and wellness. It's pandemic show that health and fitness and wellness needs to be at the forefront for those uh, that can't afford it. A lot of it's expensive. But within that, uh, it's just opened up this opportunity to say the consumer now can spend time and money and have this knowledge too. Like for myself, I used to, I was a gym owner. All I did was go to the gym all day. Now I play pickleball and I walk a lot. That's mostly what I do for working out. So, uh, it, it's just a different landscape. And I think it's, it's only the beginning. And the reason we invest in this space and raise a fund and did what we did was the, the space is going to continue to scale. And a lot of the stuff you're seeing at the top of high performers and professional athletes and all of this, it's crazy amount of money that's getting spent on the high performance lifestyle that we've written about. It's going to trickle down to the average consumer. And it's going to be pretty cool to see what comes from that. 
I, I laughed when you called out pickleball. If my dad ever listens to this podcast, he is a huge pickleball fan. He has won state championships in Kentucky. He is a big deal. And he is like breathlessly waiting the day when it catches on here in Chicago. So I, I have plans to play pickleball at some point here, but it's, <laughs> it, I just giggle because I would, I would predict that is a future of fitness trend. <laughs> I bet he would destroy me. I go and play and uh, some of the older guys are so good and I am so bad and they don't even mm-hmm. have to move that much. They just, Oh yeah. Me. Yeah. I think for him, it's, this is such a tangent, but I will, I'll indulge it. Um, he, used to play tennis and that's why he loves pickleball now is that you don't have to move as much, but he's still got like nasty left-handed spin on all of his shots. So, um, <laughs> with that, if, if we're counting, uh, the rise of pickleball is a prediction for the, a future fitness trend, let, let's get into some other trends that you see on the horizon. Um, I asked you to come ready with a couple of trends that you thought were, were peaking or that you're sort of keeping an eye on both just from an interest level and maybe an investment space. So, uh, why don't we tackle a couple uh, of things that you see coming through? Absolutely. Um, you know, for, uh, and again, and this goes back to everything that we've seen and written about is not fitness. So most of our trends aren't really fitness and wellness as much. But um, one thing that stands out to me is what we like think of as like active lifestyle and, re- and outdoor recreation. Mm-hmm. And that is these niche groups that play pickleball or you know, a company we're super excited about is called Kaya. It's a climbing app for indoor climbing and, and outdoor experiences. Things like that where, you know, trail running and, uh, you know, brands around mountain biking and getting people to move. Uh, you know, we've written about it a lot. It's the, you know, inactivity problem. It's not that Americans aren't lifting and working out or going to the gym. They don't do anything. They don't walk more than a thousand steps a day at scale. There's a ton of them that don't do that. So as long as you're moving... I want to back brands that get people passionate about crazy things like your dad playing pickleball. Awesome. Play pickleball more, get active, get those steps in, get those calories burned. That's the type of stuff, the climbing communities, the trail running, the cycling, the, you know, we invest in a company called Recover Athletics, like recovery for runners just to get the average consumer running more. All of that stuff is such a big opportunity. So that's the first trend is this outdoor uh, or active, you know, lifestyle and outdoor recreation. Let, let's pause there and, and chat through this a little bit too, because we're, we're also super curious about this in terms of both the sports aspect of it. Like we saw, I don't know if team sports would be the right word, but we saw in our community trending a lot, especially over last summer in Chicago, where summer only lasts, you know, a hundred days, people, um, getting way more into tennis and golf and rollerblading and, trail running to an extent, but like, I, I just don't see that on the ground myself because there aren't many trails in Chicago. Um, do you think that is also something that the pandemic kind of accelerated in terms of people looking for outdoor ways to connect, to socialize, to stay fit? Absolutely. And it was one, it was kind of like thing with surge that you said things you could do because you could be outside and you could do that. But then I think like the surge in golf or the surge in, you know, all of those things, it's just, it's fun hobbies and we don't have to, I think the consumer eyes opened up and they said, man, I'm paying $30 a class to go to Barry's or $50 mm-hmm. a class to go to Barry's when I can just go play basketball or I could mm-hmm. go do whatever. Or like, you know, we meet up and we, uh, kick the soccer ball around and run around and get, you know, 10,000 steps in doing that. It's just uh, things that we all knew. And I think we were sold a bill of goods for the fitness industry a little bit. And people just saw what they could do. And then they kept those passions and it's great. I'm again, I, I love the gyms. I, I want them to stay open. I want people to go to them, but I, I, I think that 
the models have to reflect what's going to come from the consumer, which is they're going to spend money on the activities, the sports, the groups, mm-hmm. the meetups. They're going to spend money on Whoop. They're going to spend money on uh, Eight Sleep. They're going to do these things and then also go to the gym. But the the, the gym is no longer the center or the hub of fitness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And all those places that you just mentioned too, they've got that that really sweet spot where you get both community and an experience. And you know that's something that they're always talking about resonating with the millennial generation. And I just find that really interesting too. But one other thing I did want to ask about in terms of, you know, price point and accessibility, a lot of these things are like things that theoretically you could do for a pretty low cost, right? You can strap on a pair of tennis shoes and you can go trail running. You can get a used pickleball paddle on on Craigslist or something and find a free court. How are businesses thinking about that in terms of how they can, you know, get their audience doing what they want to do, but also making money at the same time and where that right price range is. Yeah, it is, you know, I grew up in, I still live in Pittsburgh, um, you know, very on the lower end of the, the, the income side and those activities are what we could do. And I think, uh, there are, it's really the fine line between adding services and, and aspects of community to them, like recover athletics, you know, prehab and rehab for running is huge. It's important, you know, thousands upon thousands of people get injured every year running. So adding to them, but not taking away from the fact that yeah, running is free, you can run, but adding those services. And I think also adding products, like uh, there's a company called Recess Pickleball. They make awesome, fashionable They're pickleball They're so battles. cute. And they're also like 75 bucks. <laughs> That's not cheap necessarily. Yeah. And, and I want to invest in that company or find them. We, we haven't spoken to them. We haven't written about them, but I think it's, because they need to hit scale and then lower those price points. But yeah, mm-hmm. they do a great job. But also I think it's like player one or something on Amazon. You can buy pickleball paddles for like 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. So as much as there's cool things, go out and find that to do it. And I think companies will find the middle ground between niche and high end and be making things accessible because with all the companies we're seeing, they have to hit a certain level of growth and yes, having a small audience, but eventually it can't be out. You can't price out these people to do it. So as long as they can add to these activities and not, you know, try to replace or take away from them or, or claim ownership. Or not like gatekeep them too much. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, I think fitness has always run into these like siloed issues where things are stuck in these areas and they're not scalable outside of that, which is why like there's cool companies like something called Terra, which came out of Y Combinator. They like sync any device wearables so you can have that data and pull that in versus, you know, right now Whoop is kind of a closed system where only people that have Whoops can access them and you can't kind of port and share this data. So I hope that there's a more open framework coming to fitness and wellness and wearables and all that fun stuff. Yeah. One one last note on this topic and then I'll I'll move us on. And this might be something that you're going to talk about eventually anyway. But the other thing that kind of resonated with you talking about these active outdoor sports is for for people in our general age bracket, it's a return to things we did as kids, right? It's a return to like things that are fun and have that side benefit of fitness, but aren't necessarily fitness focused. Like I know within the past three months, I have started playing tennis and swimming twice a week. And those are things that I did in like middle school and high school and then took a 12 year break when I thought the only way to stay in shape with a slightly disordered view of staying in shape was like doing hit classes six times a week. So is that also something that you see as like the return to recreation, I guess you would call it? Yeah. I mean, in the, on the marketing side, if you look at what's happening, products, brands that are relaunching, Dunkaroos just made a comeback. I found out the other day. Amazing. I think people are, Iconic. are playing, 
on our nostalgia a little bit and what we like to do, but also it's fun. It's what yeah. I, how could you not have a good time? And then talking about companies selling into that, I just spoke to a company not too long ago, it's called Zygo, where they have, you know, streaming content for swimming that you could wearable and, and have coaching and exactly. It's so cool. It's, it's such a good idea. And it's something like, oh, I would pay for that because it's adding to my already exciting opportunity if I like to swim twice a week. I'm writing down Zygo right now to check out for, for myself as I, as I aspire to be Katie Ledecky in, you know, five to 10 years. Uh, if there's a senior Olympics, I'm there. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on. What was a, another trend that you came wanting to talk about? Yeah, uh, another one that's great timing. The news just got announced, but Future just raised a big uh, funding round. Um, accountability as a service. What was seen, at, what is scientifically proven and shown that if you go to a gym with a a friend or a partner, or you have a trainer, it works because it's accountability and it's guidance and it's motivation. And there are a lot of solutions that claim to be that through AI or other things. But in reality, I think you still have to have some version of personalization or human interaction or, you know, human in the loop type of stuff. And accountability as a service, whether it's, you know, um, you know, fitness creators using platforms like Superset and others to give them content that they could help guide you through, or, uh, you know, brands like Future, um, and caveat, we've invested in superset and feature, but, uh, the brands like those that are providing access to amazing coaches or Wellery doing a phenomenal job on nutrition and things that are happening on that side. Uh, the information is out there and the consumer has access to it, but for whatever reason, it doesn't land. And I think there needs to be this accountability and motivation and, and accessibility to experts and, and be able to ask those questions and interact and accountability service for us is is one of the biggest opportunities over the next couple of years. Let, let's back up a little bit. And I, I'm familiar with Future marginally so, but can you explain what the app is and how it how it services uh, its users? Absolutely. So Future takes phenomenally credentialed and, and trained personal trainers. Like my uh, fiance uses it and she has a D1 strength coach that also coaches her. And they use this awesome technology to take these truly customized workouts and distill them to the consumer through an app. So it mixes personal training and mixes, uh, you know, the typical app workouts like a Freeletics or others where you get this content and it's customized, but the coach texts you, engages you, talks to you and customize your workouts and says, Hey, you're on the road. Why don't you have a Peloton workout today if you can't at the hotel or other stuff. So taking what used to be remote coaching or still is for a lot of places and personal training and centralizing it and bringing it into an app for a certain price and, and really streamlining the process and user experience to make it better. And I assume it's much more affordable than meeting with a personal trainer in person twice a week. Yes. I think it's, you know, I think the price range is between 99 and $150 a month, um, okay. which, you know, compared to a lot of things is not that crazy of a price. And, and it's, it's for some people, it's, it's not for others, but it's a phenomenal product. I've done it. The experience is awesome. And then, you know, like I said, the, the fitness creator side, there's hundreds of thousands of trainers, coaches, instructors that, that honestly, a lot of the gyms and brands out there didn't support them during COVID and they had to find their own way. And when they did, they did it well and they made really cool brands and now using, you know, so many different platforms like Arqueta and Superset and Train Heroic and True Coach and Training Peaks and others, they have this accountability as a service where you can pay me, I'm a coach, I will provide you remote coaching, content guidance, we'll FaceTime twice a month, we'll do all this. And it's really cool to see the power given back to trainers and coaches and then making these massive businesses and phenomenal 
kind of uh, revenue sources from just doing what they were always doing and typically undervalued. Yeah. Yeah. That is something that I've been keeping an eye on too, is just, you know, people who during the darker days of the pandemic left their, you know, their studio gyms, their big box gyms and went out on their own and how they're monetizing that and who who succeeded and who struggled. Because it, it is hard to, you know, start that personal training business from the ground up and have to, you know, go out under from the safety of the umbrella of the company that uh, has hired you and gives you that cushion. But so what, what you're seeing with this accountability as a service, is that mostly in strength training or is that going out to other sorts of modalities, whether it's fitness, like running, or you mentioned nutrition, I think, is it, it's going everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, it goes into sobriety and coaching around, you know, being sober. There's a company called Framework that has a phenomenal product for coaches. Um, it's mental health, mental, you know, training and fortitude. It's um, mobility and flexibility. It's it's running, biking, cycling, swimming, everything. It's a lot of credentialed and expert uh, kind of trainers, coaches, instructors, you know, even as far as some of these doctors that do it, um, they have the knowledge and access and information and they need to kind of disperse that out to everybody. And these platforms allow them to do that. And it's so cool to see. And, and you, for stuff you wouldn't even imagine as a thing, but it's great. People want it. Like I, I, for a little bit was looking at, and I found a bunch, there was a, a pickleball coach who could help me get better and provide stuff to do there. And there was one for squash that I know was killing it. And lacrosse coaches that have training programs for lacrosse athletes that are making a hundred thousand dollars a year, just doing that. And that's what they love. And it's awesome. It it all comes back to pickleball is what I'm hearing (laughs) throughout this interview. It's one of my only hobbies right now besides work. So yeah. (laughs) Awesome. I I'm here for it. Um, We'll have to be following this on a sweatlife.com. We'll keep tracking the evolution of it. Um, awesome. What, what else? Let's, let's keep going. I think we've got time for like one, maybe two more future trends. Yeah. Um, let's see here to make sure we have everything right. Another one is, is really cool and taps into we, so the way that we invest and look and and work it kind of fit inside this fit inside the media platform. And then there's the the fit fund, which is on the other side. It's a separate company, but the reason we write the newsletters because it's us just looking at things that we're passionate about and think have our big opportunities so that and then we write these newsletters and we get to see through that research, the companies and down that line, we just invest in a company called Balanced. Uh, and it's, you know, uh, it's essentially a digital version of silver sneakers for the aging generations and, and providing that access and content through that. And that goes into one of the bigger trends is aging well. It's improve or eliminate the aging process. Obviously, you're never going to eliminate it, but improve it. And, you know, a lot of the issues and the problems that stem from aging are preventable especially when it comes to balance and strength and like there it's a super, you know, inside baseball stuff, but there was a study that was shown that, you know, hamstring, uh, deterioration led to, you know, whatever mass percentage of falls. And and then it led to even walking with like a bent over look because your back and your, your glutes and your, um, hamstrings aren't, aren't strong enough. And that goes first and that deterioration leads to so many other problems. So it's all of these things built around the aging process and, and the, the humongous numbers of, of, of the aging populations happening in states and, and overseas as well, that we really need to find a way to fix a lot of these problems. That's really interesting. Um, would you say that these services and solutions are aimed at the population that's already aging? Is it aimed at the people who are caretaking for them? Is it aimed at, you know, people 
within our general age bracket who are starting to get older? Who, who is it for at this moment? Yeah, it's, it's a mix. So the hard thing with the population that's already uh, old right now is I don't know how tech savvy some of them are. Mm-hmm. And that leaves, you know, how do you get some of this to them? But uh, I think it's all, all across the landscape. It's, it's, you know, systems and things that are being built to help people that are in their 30s and 40s age better already. There's places like Balance that are, you know, 50s, 60s, even 70s, if they're tech savvy enough, we can get set up to where they can have this exercise and movement and mobility and all that stuff. Um, I think there is stuff that is for caregivers. And there's even, you know, we wrote about it not too long ago. It's the, you know, these kind of wellness retirement communities. In this Tell me more. Uh, <laughs> How soon I, can I join? <laughs> right. It, it's a crazy thing to see. And um, let me pull it up just to make sure I'm talking about the I right think one. I, I read something about that in the New York Times recently about like retirement centers that had more luxury wellness associated amenities. Exactly. So, you know, there's one called Watermark that is a $330 million company. I think they raised for luxury assisted living in Brooklyn and it's you know, art galleries and rooftop terraces, yes. integrated wellness amenities and all that stuff. So um, I think that across the board, whether it's where you're going to retire, how you're going to be treat certain ailments, you have telehealth and other things, condition specific care, at-home testing, fitness and nutrition guidance, all of that is a huge target because there is so much money and there's, you know, a mass population aging at the rate that they are. That's really interesting. And I'm not familiar with Balance. I should have asked this right off the bat, but can you tell me what, what the app is and, and what it does? Yeah, so they have uh, the, the you know, actual term is digital platform to keep you moving at, at, at every age. But in reality, it's taking the uh, exercise and uh, movement and mobility and uh, things that you would see happening at the YMCA on silver sneakers, but digital. So there's the kind of the, the fitness platform for, Right now, I guess you could say, you know, boomers and an older generation for them to uh, have the movement and mobility and fitness programs that are customized to them and really coaching them and providing them. And I think too, you know, providing some community with interaction and video and other things. Yeah, for sure. Because one of the things that we see over and over again is the importance of community and of maintaining those social connections, especially as you age um, and start to feel like further separated from people that maybe you lived next to or, you know, have emptiness that you're dealing with. So I, I hope I would love to see some of these companies like really focus on integrating the community and, and social aspect into how you're aging well. Exactly. And it goes to the, um, it, it, you know, some of the things on the community side as well. Like there's, I forget the name, but there's like a walking app that has hundreds of thousands of people walking in communities and meeting up. I'll have to look it up and, and send it to you. But so many cool things like that or um, different sports or activities or just people getting out and being active. And especially at this older age, people doing that more. Like we, we wrote the one newsletter that was kind of like a story about my mom going through the process. Uh, she had just moved to uh, kind of retired on the river in Pennsylvania where we live and her figuring out the walking and getting her Fitbit and then, you know, different apps to help her do this. And it was, you know, I think she is overall in better health now than she ever has been. And it's cool to see that happen. Is she embracing the wearable life or is she a big Fitbit person? She 
loves her Fitbit. She gets her 10,000 steps and sends me a picture of her 10,000 plus steps every day, which is so cool. Um, we'd love to get her on some other things, but I don't think she'll ever leave the the Fitbit life. Yeah. I can't blame her. If it, if it works for her, it works for her. Yeah. Let, let's wrap it up. Let's choose one more trend that you're excited about and uh, chat through it. And then we'll, we will sign things off. One more trend. Ooh. Um, I think that one thing that we're really excited about, I don't know if I would call it a trend. It's always been around, but it's something I hope comes in, in a more impactful way. It's habit and behavior change. Kind of touching on accountability as a service, but in reality, when you distill down what is the problem with fitness and wellness and what we call health outcomes, how do you improve? And it's not about losing weight or muscle or everything else, just being healthy. It is about habit and behavior change. You do these things. I get, you know, if you're an emotional eater, you 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 have a tough day, then you go eat pizza. How do you break that habit? Or, or how do you break the habit of staying up late and not getting up really enough and not getting enough sleep and all that other stuff? Um, it's it's down to the like the psychological level of human uh, interaction and behavior and, and how can, whether it's, you know, human in the loop stuff or whether it's accountability service or whether it's um, other things that aren't directly fitness related, but are geared towards taking the things we know work and, and helping people change their habits. And it kind of goes into telehealth a little bit and therapy and other things, but um, that opportunity almost seems there's so many to-do apps and tracking apps and other things, but it's all based off of what I see as productivity. And it's not really talking about health improvement, habit and behavior change, and just improving on the things that you want to improve on, whatever they might be for your overall kind of life. Mm-hmm. How do you see gamification fitting into that? Great, great opportunity. And this is something, you know, one of the other trends we wrote about on the our like trends list was, uh, you know, the metaverse and all that. And, and we don't talk too much about it. You, only the, you know, because I don't know that much about it. It seems like a cool opportunity, you know, would be great. But that's a, there's a large part of like that gamification in that. And I think for this as well, I... I use an app called streaks and it's really fun to track my streaks every day that I get up on time, that I drink my, you know, giant jug of water, all that stuff. And, uh, take my athletic greens, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's the gamification of every day, checking that box and having it. So satisfying. It's really cool. And, and two, I mean, I love Strava. I love, there's a company called any, any distance, uh, and it like lets me show my workouts and meet goals and send pictures of my routes and all that fun stuff. So yeah, I think it all distills down to like having fun and engaging with people in communities and, and, and just kind of having a better grasp on what is happening to your overall health and, and wellness and, and, and having a good time with it. Well, thank you for playing our game of predict the future of fitness. Uh, we'll we'll have you back on next year and we'll count your score. We'll see how you did and how everything is progressing. Um, no, seriously, you were an awesome guest. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. And now begins your moment of shameless plugging your own work and where we can find you and what you're working on now that our listeners might find exciting. Thanks so much. Yeah. Um, Glad to be on. And I don't know if a lot of those are going to happen in a year, but let's say five to 10. Five um, to 10. We'll meet in the metaverse to, exactly. to discuss. <laughs> uh, as for us, it's it's Fit Insider. If you're interested in fitness, wellness, the business side of it, or pretty much anything happening, newsletter is free, podcast is free. 
uh, go give those, uh, uh, you know, subscribe to those, check out my brother is the host of the podcast. He does a phenomenal job. Uh, and then on the investment side, if you are a company in fitness and wellness and you're raising, you know, kind of the venture capital angel investment side, we, we do all of that in between and happy to connect on that side as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast and we will talk to you soon. Thanks so much. This has been another episode of We Got Goals, an AsweatLife.com production, and another thing that is better with friends. Thanks to Ryan Deffitt for editing the audio and Ryan Barayuga for editing the video that you can find on YouTube. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, our title is hashtag We Got Goals. Yes, the hashtag. Make sure to rate and subscribe so that other people can find out about us and follow us on all social platforms at A Sweat Life. 